Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. 7.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm John Tucker, two hours away from the opening bell. And let's get you updated on the news you need to know. Nomura Holdings plans to cut jobs in North America, according to people with knowledge of the matter. It follows competitors from Credit Suisse Group to Deutsche Bank in trimming operations. Robert Goldfarb, the co-manager of the Sequoia Fund, retiring after the firm's investment in troubled drug maker Valiant Pharmaceuticals, marred the reputation of a mutual fund that traces its roots to billionaire Warren Buffett. I get a reading on durable goods orders this morning. Bloomberg economist Rich Yamarone says, look for it to bottom out today. GDP figures tomorrow. Yahoo shares higher after the Wall Street Journal reported starboard value will seek to replace Yahoo's entire board. 7.31 on Wall Street. Let's get news from around the world now. We say good morning to Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, John. There may be two suspects at large following this week's bombings in Brussels. Belgian state media reports that an attacker is seen on surveillance cameras in the Brussels subway carrying a large bag and walking alongside a man who's been identified as the actual suicide bomber. He was one of three men seen in surveillance photos walking together at the airport. One of the three is believed to be still alive and on the run. Most Democrats believe Donald Trump would be the underdog against Hillary Clinton. According to a new Bloomberg poll, Clinton leads Trump in a hypothetical general election matchup, 54% to 36%. A Bloomberg poll of Republicans shows 63% of those who have voted in this year's Republican primaries and caucuses or plan to do so back Trump's view that the person with the highest delegate count should win the nomination, even if he lacks the magic number of 1,237. Civil liberties groups are pledging to push for repeal of a new North Carolina law that prevents cities and counties from passing their own anti-discrimination rules. And sports and broadcasting great Joe Garagiola has died at age 90. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. John? All right, thanks, uh, Michael. 7:32 on uh, Wall Street. And uh, speaking of sports, time for the Ray Katina Auto Group Bloomberg NBC Sports update. Here's John Stashower. Thanks, John. Nick victories have been few and far between the last couple of months. 115-107 at Chicago, just their seventh win in the last 31 games. Their second since January 12th against a team with a winning record. Chris Stubbs, Porzingis led the way, 29 points. Carmelo Anthony added 24. Same two teams tonight at the Garden, where last night the Rangers beat the Bruins 5-2. Derek Passard, team-leading 26th goal. Matt Zuccarello is 24th. J.T. Miller got to 20 on the air. And Rick Nash scored for the second straight game. And Brooklyn Islanders... Ended a four-game losing streak, 3-1 over Ottawa. All three goals come in in the second period. NCAA tournament back tonight. Doubleheaders in the south and west regions in Louisville and in Anaheim. NIT wins for George Washington and San Diego State. They'll join Valparaiso and BYU at the Garden next week. The season not yet over for Columbia. 69-67 win over Ball State to reach the CIT semifinals. Alex Rodriguez now downplaying comments he made to an ESPN reporter that the 2017 season will be his last. It's no doubt what the Yankees have been thinking all along, too. That's when they finally get out from under A-Rod's $275 million contract. With the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update, I'm John Stashel. All right, thanks, uh, John. Ahead of the market open on Wall Street futures right now in the U.S., they are lower S&P futures. 
Down about 10. That's down half a percent. The Dow futures down 77. And the Nasdaq uh, E-mini futures right now down 22 points. That's down half a percent. You're listening to Bloomberg Surveillance. And good morning. I'm John Tucker. Bloomberg Surveillance uh, continues with Tom Keene and Francine Lacroix. Uh, right now, time for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM Report, being brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, partnering with government and industry to apply the university's world-class research assets to innovate and spur economic growth. Learn more at njit.edu. Good morning, Bob Boone. John, good morning. Thanks. Here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Smartphones are so last year. Samsung isn't the only smartphone maker that's becoming painfully aware sales are flatlining and its plan to remain competitive is to morph into more of a software-driven company. So says Samsung Executive VP Rian Jong, adding in an interview that the South Korean consumer electronics maker is actively looking to acquire developers of artificial intelligence. His vision, artificial intelligence will make the things we do on smartphones much more convenient and your well-trained phone will build customer loyalty. That's because of the amount of time it takes to train the software to understand your preferences. Google will create business tools and products based on its own artificial intelligence technology, seeking to entice more companies to rent its cloud computing services. It plans to offer services such as audio transcription and image identification built around its machine learning software. Google has used this technology for its own products and is now making the capabilities available for other companies to rent and access over the Internet. And activist investors pushing technology companies to close the gender pay gap. Just heard from Amazon.com. The online retailer says it hired an independent labor economist to conduct a study that found for every dollar men earned, women working the same jobs for Amazon in the U.S. last year earned 99.9 cents. And that's this morning's Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. John. Thank you very much. Bob Boone, it's uh, 736 uh, Wall Street. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. Bloomberg Surveillance continues this morning. Uh, Tom Keene here in the studio. Francine Lacroix, uh, I'm happy to say, joining us from London this morning. Hi, Franny. Hi, John. How are you doing? I'm delighted to uh, join the conversation this morning on Bloomberg Radio. And uh, no one better to join us than the chairman of Sachi and Sachi, Kevin Roberts, to talk a little bit more about advertising, the world we live in, marketing, but also disrupting your own business. Kevin, great to have you on the program today. You uh, talk a lot about disruption. You talk a lot about value creation and brands. We were talking about Facebook, Microsoft, Google. Who is the one company that may be disrupted uh, that we're not expecting to be disrupted right now? Uh, We're all vulnerable to disruption. You know, disruption is driven by consumers. It's driven by creativity, driven by ideas, driven by constant, constant desire uh, to make things easier and faster. So if you're not busy disrupting yourself, you are going to be disrupted. It's like Vince Lombardi said uh, way back. He said, if, you're not, if you play for the Green Bay Packers and you're not fired with enthusiasm, you will be fired with enthusiasm. So right, you better get on with your disruption. Scary, <laughs> right, but okay, so I'm a big company. How do I disrupt myself? And this is very counterintuitive, right? Oh, so I yeah. know we're customer-led. I know it's a yeah. digital era. I know we spend more time talking to our, our mobile phones than we do to our partners. Yeah. But, but is the concept of brand really changing? I, I, first question is how do you disrupt yourselves that you asked me, and I think that's the killer question because – 
frankly, a business model disruption. I'm not going to say it's easy, but a business model disruption just needs a fabulous idea with some great execution. Think about Airbnb. Think about Amazon. Think about Uber, whatever, whatever, whatever. But if you transform yourself, you have to disrupt your culture. And if you're 50 years old, 60 years old, 20 years old, and you've been successful, there is nothing more difficult than disrupting yourself culturally. Because people are, you know, inbuilt, resistant, and feel insecure, nervous about change, let alone about transformation disruption. So it's, that's the first challenge. How right. can you disrupt your culture? Right, and Kevin, the problem is that you have to, to be sure you disrupt in something better, right? You could be disrupting something that right. does not need disrupting. So what data are you looking at to make sure that you're not messing it up by disrupting something that works? Yeah, not a tremendous amount of data. I think, you know, you can follow a – I think culture beats strategy and beats data every day of the week. And if you if you are truly creativity-led and innovation-led and somehow you can bring – creativity, innovation, and technology to be your servant, then disruption becomes less frightening and more a way of life. You have to generate a culture where the product isn't whatever you're making, but the product is constant innovation, constant improvement. Uh, Kevin, you're, of course, a guru when it comes to advertising. We have to pivot to politics. If you look at political candidates on all fronts, so let's look at the U.S., but also let's look at here the U.K. and leaders that are struggling, such as the South African president. Whose campaign would you like to do right now? Well, I, I think uh, it, it's a great, great question, isn't it? Because leadership seems to be at a premium right now in the world of politics. If you look around what's happening in Europe, if you look around what's happening in the U.S., there is a growing mm, unrest amongst the middle classes who are saying, listen, whether you're right or left, you political people, you're ignoring me. You're not caring for me. You're not listening to me. You're not responsive to me. And I'm angry. And I'm not sure how I can... Mm, manifest my anger, except I'm probably not going to vote for you establishment leaders. So I may be attracted to the extreme right. I may be attracted to the extreme left. I may be attracted to the outsider. But at the moment, I think um, you, we, we are in a, a, a vacuum where right. the next leader that can come for the middle classes is the one we would support. All right, Kevin, thank you so much. Uh, Kevin Roberts there of Saatchi and Saatchi, the chairman. It's not in a vacuum. It's European stocks. Uh, they're deepening their losses, though, as miners and energy shares go down. You're listening to Bloomberg Surveillance. Now we're counting down to the opening bell. We have uh, less than two hours to go. Brought to you by Mazda White Plains. Visit MazdaWhitePlains.com. S&P Futures. Down 11 points, that's down half a percent. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now I'm Karen Moscow. This update is brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. Investment firm Starboard Value has nominated nine directors to Yahoo's board. It says Yahoo has refused to embrace the need for change 
And Starboard says it holds about 1.7% of Yahoo shares. Yahoo is up 8 tenths percent in early trading. U.S. stock index futures, meanwhile, are lower, with the S&P 500 index on track to halt its fifth weekly streak of gains that had trimmed all of its losses for the year. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures down about 12 points. Dow E-mini futures down 94. And NASDAQ E-mini futures down 26. The DAX in Germany is down 1.5%. Ten-year Treasury up 430 seconds. The yield 1.86%. Yield on the two-year 0.85%. NYMEX crude oil dropping down 2.2% or 87 cents to 38.92 a barrel. COMEX gold down half percent or $5.90 to 12.1970 an ounce. The euro, $1.1151. The yen, 112.74. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Francine and Tom. Karen, thank you so much. We continue now the conversation with the Sachin Sachi chairman. He is Kevin Roberts. Kevin, we were talking a little bit before about disrupting your brand, and uh, we briefly, briefly touched on politics. Talk to me about uh, really the desperate choices facing U.S. Republicans. If you were doing uh, some kind of advertising campaign for them, who would you have to convince? Is it millennials? Do you have to be on social? Going forward, um, Trump has to connect, modify with uh, the younger people, but also with he's got to um, become more presidential and more serious and build some gravitas into all the uh, extremism thing. I think you might see him start tracking back, I hope a little bit towards the middle, and I think you might see uh, Mrs. Clinton moving a little bit further towards the middle classes, towards some ideas, towards some innovation. So if it were to get down to the hand-to-hand combat they were expecting, I think you're going to see some, uh, some movement towards the middle from both. That's what we would recommend anyway. Uh, Kevin, you're advisor supremo, right? You're, you're head coach also at Publicis. How difficult, when you look at politics, is it to read polls? We saw it here in the UK with the UK elections. The polls made n- no sense. I mean, they didn't, you know, on D-Day, the votes were completely different to what we had in the polls. I- is it the same situation in the US? And again, how is difficult is it to manage your campaign if you don't believe the polls? Yeah, I, I, I think you should start with the answer and work back. And the the answer is never in the polls. The answer is in your purpose, in your beliefs, what you stand for, and how you can uh, communicate that emotionally um, with the people of your nation. So, you know, looking at polls is sort of interesting, but it's not the point, right? Um, information's interesting, but it's really how can you emotionally connect? How can you build a relationship now? with all this amazing opportunity of all the social media that's available out there, looking at polls is sort of looking at the rearview mirror. You've got to get into the windshield and stand for something and communicate that emotionally. You know, I, I look at this, the system here and the change politics, and I, I think, Kevin, we all have a, a, a framework and a history that's individual. But what we can say for certain is that 2016 is not even 2008 or 2002, or, or, you know, back however far you want to take it. With that said, what's the new calculus to not make people vote for you, but to get them to change their vote? Uh, I think you've got to promise them something. Besides 
besides free beer. <laughs> free beer would work, okay, for many people. But I think you have to promise, you know, you have to be purpose-driven, particularly with this new world where we're all drowning in information. So we've all got access yeah. to that stuff. We've got to paint a real clear picture of what the future looks like for me. If I'm a, a middle-class, average American... I'm not happy. So whichever one of you two guys is going to give me some joy and some reason to believe, I'm going to vote for. Yeah, I, I, I look, Francine, at the difference between the U.K. election and maybe Brexit as some of the features of this election, which is it's basically going on uh, forever. Kevin, what's your <laughs> advice to the candidates in that strange gap from the primaries to the convention? Uh, a strange moment it is. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful opportunity, uh, frankly, to start modifying, coordinating. What the millennials want today is not conflict. They're looking for collaboration. They're looking for connectivity. They're not looking for all these attack dogs and stuff that we've seen in the past. They're looking for someone to unite and to move forward together. And I would use that time to start developing those kind of relationships, those kind of accords, instead of simply attacking each other, which I think is really counterproductive for all parties. Okay, Kevin, you mentioned millennials. Uh, Tom, we spend a fair amount of our time trying to figure out what this group wants to buy, how they vote, how they make life choices. Kevin, who gets it right in reaching millennials? And it can be companies, it can be political groups. How do you get a millennial to follow you, to embrace what your yeah. message is? Well, you don't want to get them to follow you. These guys are not followers. You want them to join you, right? You want them to evangelize for you, and you want them to become part of what you stand for. And I think if you look at the companies that do that well, they would be Apple, uh, a normal bunch of suspects. Uh, Amazon would do it very well. Uber are, are living on that right now. Airbnb have revolutionized and disrupted the entire hotel industry. They don't need rooms. They just need people because they haven't convinced uh, or told millennials. They've said, come join us, share your experiences, talk to each other. That's how Apple works as well. Tom, we're millennials, right? In our heads, we're millennials. Yeah, we use no, but, apps but, and mobiles. But, but I see it. I, I see the debate within the digital overload and editorial overload, Kevin, that we all have today. We're we're exhausted by the 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 amount of material. How does Secretary Clinton or Mr. Trump deal? I mean, Mr. Trump clearly has a a new and original method to deal with the overload we all face. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel overloaded and overwhelmed, and I know all the, you know, the average age of people at Saatchi and Saatchi is 27, and they've never had it so good. They don't feel overloaded at all. They're loving it, relishing it. They make their mind up in less than three seconds on whether they're in or out on the information. So they're, boom, they're moving on. They're looking for things that, they're not looking for information and news as much as they're looking for a point of view, some entertainment, some optimism in the whole uh, messaging. They're looking for it visually rather than just spoken the way that we saw it. And they're looking for it fast. They have no sense of information fatigue. None. They're on top of this. They know how to manipulate this and absorb it. As to people like Facebook, Instagram, and so on, Snapchat, Twitter, these guys get it too. 
If you try Apple Music versus Spotify, Apple Music instinctively gets um, what these consumers, how they want to absorb their music. We are having a great conversation with the Sachin Sachi chairman, uh, Kevin Roberts. But, Kevin, it's a little bit depressing what you're painting, the picture you're painting, is that it's, it's you know, there's uh, more and more of a blunder between facts and, I guess, opinions and what these these younger generation want. Are we ever going to go back to um, more thoughtfulness? I don't find it depressing at all. I find it very exciting, inspirational, optimistic and uplifting. I think this is a world where ideas are the currency. So we all have access to knowledge now. Thank you very much, Google. We all have um, access to um, information. Now we're free to connect, collaborate, and create. What's depressing about that? Well, because everything goes fast. It reminds me of Dory in Finding Nemo, right? People uh, go so fast that sometimes you don't have time to think. Kevin, what's the, the perfect medium? In, you know, I need a short answer. Well, on that, is the it first Twitter, thing I'm going to say, Facebook or Instagram? There is no such thing as perfection in this world. A fast game is a good game. There you go, Tom Keen. The, the final word, a fast game is a good game. You know, there you, are, you know, Kevin Roberts, thanks so much. We're going to continue uh, this discussion. A lot to fold in here on economics, finance, investment. Uh, and international relations. I know Francine in London monitoring the news out of Belgium, including an important EU interior ministers meeting today. Uh, unfortunately, there have been too many of these over the recent years, including at Paris. You wonder if this time will be uh, different and they'll get up to some form of agreement along the way. You've got something, just, sir? Just a surveillance correction. Please. Uh, Francine referred to you as a millennial. That's you true. Are. That is from the first millennium. Yeah, from the first. <laughs> thank you, Francine, for uh, that uh, age adjustment, if you would. Let me look at equities, bonds, currencies, commodities, futures, negative 11, deteriorating through the morning, a Dow future 78, uh, negative 78. The yield has come in on 191 earlier this week, 1.86. There is a weight to the tape with curve flattening. The curve now, the two tens spread 100 basis points. Oil, three days a week, we go from a 40 handle down to 38.94 uh, on West Texas. Brent crude, 39.66, down 81 cents. Now, Brent below, below $40 a barrel. Not a big deal, but nevertheless, something to watch uh, into our three-day weekend. And, of course, the United Kingdom with a four-day weekend as well. I don't know how that got figured out. Dollar stronger. Stay with us. Francine Lacroix in London. I'm Tom Keene in New York. Another hour of Bloomberg Surveillance.